If you're committed to transitioning to a new role outside of the classroom, let me give you some advice. Don't try to navigate this journey all on your own. The Teacher Career Coach course will walk you step-by-step through the entire process. When you sign up, you'll get help picking your career path, have access to a library of transition resumes for teachers written by a professional, and even gain access to a list of hundreds of companies that hire teachers. Most importantly, you'll join our exclusive private community to collaborate with others and network. I've dedicated my time putting together templates and resources to create the most thorough program to help save you time. Learn more about the Teacher Career Coach course at teachercareercoach.com forward slash course. After leaving teaching because of some serious burnout, she vowed to build the community she wished existed when she needed it most. She went from classroom teacher to an educational consultant, instructional designer, and six-figure business owner. Now, she's here to help you achieve happiness and work-life balance, whether inside or outside the classroom. Come join our discussion as we talk about managing teacher burnout, career transitions outside the classroom, starting a side hustle, and everything in between. Here's your host of the Teacher Career Coach Podcast and your new personal cheerleader, Daphne Gomez. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Teacher Career Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Daphne Williams. In this episode, I interview Madeline Kronk. Madeline's a former middle school and high school science teacher who experienced burnout pretty early in her career. She transitioned out of the classroom and she now works for a curriculum development company. She absolutely loves her new job and she wanted to use her experiences to help other teachers who may be struggling. Madeline, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, So Madeline, I wanted to start off with just a little introduction to who you are and why I'm here speaking to you. You're a former teacher and you actually left the classroom for a role as a curriculum writer. Is that correct? Yes. um, I'm actually doing more of like implementation and PD. Um, but at a curriculum company, and I'm a former teacher. I taught for seven years. I taught middle school and high school science and computer science, and I loved it for many years. And then I started to um, get really stressed out, and ex- you know, I experienced a lot of work-related um, stress, and I was looking for a change. And so I left the classroom fairly recently, and I'm loving my new role. When you experienced burnout, was that just this last year during COVID or were you questioning this role even years prior to that? I had been experiencing burnout for a couple of years, um, definitely before COVID. I was overdoing it a little bit. I was teaching four, sometimes five preps. I was coaching. I was on every committee. Um, I was working summers. I was working in the evenings. I was working, you know, weekends. And um, I felt that I was getting a little bit burnt out and I thought that I could self-correct. I was seeing a therapist. I was really trying to be proactive about self-care and managing the burnout. And then COVID happened. And I feel like my burnout that I had was just exacerbated by everything that was going on with COVID. And it came to a point where I didn't have control over my work situation anymore and I couldn't manage the variables. And so I felt like I didn't have a choice. And so the burnout was there and it was kind of brewing underneath the surface. And then COVID just made it that much worse. What did 
the burnout symptoms really feel like for you? If you feel like sharing, if it's too personal. No, I'm happy to share because when you shared your story and the burnout that you had experienced, it made me feel like I wasn't crazy and I wasn't a bad person and that teachers do experience these things. So I'm happy to share it. I was not sleeping hardly at all. Some nights I was getting maybe one hour of sleep because I was just lying awake at night thinking about everything work-related, sometimes positive, but it was still keeping me up at night. I used to cry on the way to work because I just dreaded going to school so much. I didn't feel like I could use sick days because it was more work, and then I was being asked about why I was taking sick days, so I wasn't using sick days to go to the dentist or the doctor or anything like that. I used to, and I've heard people say this jokingly, but I actually felt this way. I used to like hope that I would get in a car accident so I didn't have to go to work that day. And I knew at that point that like this isn't a healthy way to feel about your work situation and people shouldn't feel like this going to work every day. And it's tragic that so many teachers feel like this and they don't have people to talk to. And I'm getting a little bit emotional because it, it was years of me feeling like this. And I loved my job. And at the same time, like it was stressing me out so much that I couldn't enjoy the other parts of my life because my work was just consuming my entire life. I think that there are other industries. I mean, it's not just teachers. There are people who have stayed in a job that makes them unhappy. But I think teaching kind of backs you into a corner where you feel guilty if you acknowledge that you need a change and you feel like you're doing your coworkers a disservice where other industries, it's so easy. You know, if, if my fiance didn't want his job sound editing and he walked away and he wanted to do something that served him, then he wouldn't feel terrible. He would wrap it up. He'd say, I have two weeks notice. And then they know that someone else would come into that role and teachers are putting themselves in this situation because they don't feel like they should be able to acknowledge the emotions of, I need to put myself first and this is no longer healthy and it is okay if I walk away from this. And if other people are in a situation that's not great, I can't always own that. And like the weight and the responsibility of always owning that is too much for people. It's super common for therapists to be the ones that start pushing those feelings, especially in teachers who are on the brink of wanting to leave of, why don't you think you can leave? Like, what is it about this role that makes it so that you don't feel comfortable leaving if you're, I mean, wanting to get in a car accident instead of just working for the day? Right. And I, I think that that's such a complex part of teaching because some of it's coming from ourselves. And a lot of us thought that this would be our forever career. For me, my mom is a teacher and it's what I wanted to do for a long time. I didn't think that I would ever leave the classroom. And so it almost felt like I was feeling myself or not keeping a promise to myself by leaving. So that's part of it. I think that within education, there are systems in place to keep teachers in the classroom even when they want to leave or should leave. Um, and I think that that can be a force that acts on teachers that makes them feel like they're being irresponsible by leaving, that they're letting down the community by leaving. Especially if you're a good teacher, there's a lot of pressure to stay in the classroom and to stick it out because the kids need you and the school needs you and the community needs you. And so there's a lot of guilt associated with leaving also. So 
I think there are so many different factors and for everybody it's different. For me, I really felt like I needed to stay for myself. I needed to stay for the school. And it took a couple of years of me being really unhappy and stressed out to choose to prioritize my happiness and my health over, you know, not wanting to feel guilty about abandoning the students. And when I left, I left in the middle of the year, I left in October of this past school year, I knew that there was a chance that that guilt would be worsened. Um, And I knew that people would say things to me that would make me feel even worse about leaving. And that did happen. People did say that I was abandoning the students and that I didn't care about the kids. And that couldn't be further from the truth. You know, I, I loved my students and I'm still in contact with them. It was really hard for me to make that decision. But ultimately, my students supported me because they could see that I was stressed out and that I wasn't myself. And they understood when I explained to them, you know, when I left, I explained to my AP bio class that I had some personal things going on. It had nothing to do with them and I would continue to support them. And that was really difficult for me to have that conversation with them. But it was important for me to express that to them, that like I really do care about them. And so I think there's just so many different factors and it's not like other professions. Like we sometimes feel stuck for so many reasons. I It breaks my heart, but you're, I mean, your story is similar to mine. It's similar to so many other people. And one of the things is I am empathetic by nature and I 100% understand the concerns of, especially someone leaving mid-year of the weight that that puts on other team members. And I don't feel like you're the type of person that would take that lightly. That's something that you weighed in your heart, whether or not you could do that. And I've had people who send me messages that said, basically, you know, they left on leave and their therapist said that it was so bad that it was basically life threatening at that point because they felt suicidal so often and their coworkers made kind of very incompassionate and I don't want to say bullying I don't know the entire situation but it feels almost like bullying where they say you're just doing this to get out of working um you're being over dramatic and it's that's coming from a place of hurt and a place of stress as well and I w- I want to be empathetic towards everybody in this situation but if you are happy in a career stay in a career and if you have people who are unhappy in a career root them on to find something that makes them happy and if they are mentally or physically struggling because of the career you can't expect them to break themselves to make your life easier and that sucks this situation sucks but like that is what is happening especially this year but it's been happening for the last 15 years people hear it you know they constantly hear you're a good teacher you can't leave because if someone else comes in you know we'll have to pick up the weight of that or the kids are gonna suffer and like you if you are at a therapist and they're telling you mentally you can't do it like you should have the confidence to say, this is not an easy decision and I've been weighing it for years, I should feel supported doing whatever I choose to do. And congratulations to you for taking that step. What really like pushed you to realizing that like you had to make that change almost immediately? So 
in the spring of last year when COVID hit, I was sort of thinking about transitioning and I was um, working a lot as an independent freelancer. I was doing PD and I was working a little bit on product and I really enjoyed it. And I felt like, oh, if something came along, I would take it. Then in the fall, when we came back to school and COVID was still in our lives and in our schools, I raised concerns about um, what was happening in our schools and health concerns for myself and my colleagues and my students and their parents. And I, at that point, I didn't feel supported or listened to. And I had serious concerns that weren't addressed. And I felt like I'm sacrificing my health, my safety, my happiness for this for this job and no one is listening to me and a, a switch flipped in my head and I wanted out. Um, and so I think it was that I didn't feel supported in return. I felt like I had been giving so much for so many years. And then when I needed support and I needed to be heard, that wasn't reciprocated. And so I knew that I wasn't going to make it all school year um, at that point. And so um, in the fall, I decided that I wasn't going to wait for something to fall into my lap and I was going to be really proactive about getting a job outside of the classroom. I wanted to stay in education, but I wanted out so badly that I was willing to explore other fields as well. And so I had found some of your resources through social media, actually. Um, I think your Instagram teacher career coach page popped up on my Instagram explore page. One of my teacher friends had liked one of your posts and I honestly just stumbled upon it. And it was like, you know, serendipitous that I've happened to find it when I needed it most. And there were little things within your resources that helped me build confidence, um, particularly like the affirmations. I was reading the affirmations, it's probably around August. And I started to believe them and believe that I could do this and I developed confidence and I started applying for jobs. And there were a few jobs that I really wanted that I was certainly qualified for that I didn't even get an interview for. I just got a rejection email and that was really disappointing, but I kept applying and I kept networking. I kept asking my friends who worked at educational companies and eventually the right job came along. And when I interviewed for it, it clicked and I knew it was a good fit and I wanted the job so desperately and they made me an offer. Oh, that's I love the fact that there is already a happy ending, but I want to go back to that struggle of even needing to read affirmations. You know, you didn't feel confident and that's something that so many teachers, so many women in general, they just feel low career self-esteem and myself especially like I struggled with this, whoever I sound like I am right now, like that's not who I was four years ago. And I've just like worked on developing, being more confident and learning and growing. But when I was shifting my perception of what I was capable of doing outside of the classroom, I didn't see myself in a lot of the roles. I didn't feel qualified even with my master's degree or my education. And I just had to keep telling myself like one of the weird cheesy things that I say is read these affirmations, look yourself in the mirror and like you have to own that you are qualified because no one else is going to believe it if you don't believe it. 
Like that's number one is like you're selling yourself in an interview. But also when you were sending out those applications and you were getting those rejection letters, that's terrible. And it's one of the processes that everybody has to go through. But like, even if your resume is perfect, there's a chance that you're still not gonna get an interview. And that's the hardest part is so much self-doubt just during that process. There was probably times if you were anything like me, like I didn't know if it was ever gonna happen. I felt like I'd made a huge mistake and I felt like I was gonna have to figure out a new school district and start over again. And I was just so depressed. Did you at that time when you were pushing out applications give up on yourself ever? Definitely like as I received the rejection letters, it impacted my self-esteem for sure. Um, like that those particular days when I received the letters, it made me feel like all those things that people say about teachers that I started to believe like teachers are lazy. And, you know, I had been hearing that for so long that I started to believe it about myself a little bit. And I thought maybe I am like just lazy. Maybe, you know, I'm not as qualified for these jobs as I think I am because I wasn't even getting an interview. And so I think that years of going through tough situations in education did impact my self-esteem and definitely my career self-esteem. And it took me like changing my mindset to choose not to believe those things about myself and be believe again in the person that I thought I was. You know, I was always a great student and I was, I've always been hardworking my entire life. And I started to lose that sense of myself um, when I was experiencing burnout. And so, yes, I definitely felt down and rejected and lost self-esteem for sure when I got those rejection emails. But it, I wanted out so badly that it didn't keep me from continuing to apply. And some of the rejection letters, like it was from one company and I applied for a different position in that company because something else popped up. And I thought, ooh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll get an interview for this one because I'm also qualified for this one and I'm interested in it. And so I felt inspired enough to keep applying. And I think that it was a change in mindset that happened where I was like, no, I am smart and I am hardworking and I, am, I do have experience that somebody will find valuable. It just needs to be the right fit. perception of time I think during that period is buck wild like it's gone so I left I was severely like extremely depressed at the very end of the school year and then I started getting rejection letters interviews that didn't go the way that I wanted that time frame was maybe two three months of aggressively applying but it felt like it was never ever gonna happen and then realizing there was this one day, rock bottom, I got four rejection emails in one day, so I definitely feel you on that. I drank a bottle of champagne and was bawling on the couch by noon and had to put myself to bed because I was scared Jonathan would come home and see like, oh, I should leave her. She's terrible. <laughs> She's not a human being anymore. So I put myself to bed by noon so that he wouldn't see what a mess I'd become over this entire process. And then, you know what, two weeks later, 
I finally got the job of my dreams and everything changed. And it like the, the time frame because you're already in a heightened sense of stress and you have all of this like fight or flight symptoms that are happening that your body is just freaking out over everything. I think it's so hard for us to tell someone, be patient, trust the process, just keep going and the rejections. Yes, you might need to redo your resume. You might be applying to the wrong positions. There might be a lot of competition. So you might wanna focus more on networking. Like that's all good advice. But like if your brain is going buck wild, like you might be in bed freaking out that day. Like it's just part of the journey and it's awful. Yeah, and it's so emotional. Like there's so many emotions attached to leaving teaching and, you know, putting yourself out there and taking that risk. And so I did have such an emotional response to the rejection letters. And then also to my first offer letter, I had such an emotional response. And it's a roller coaster of emotions. But the day when I got like my official offer letter, it was just like, I I felt like I was myself again. My fiance told me that my face looked different because it was like all of this you know years of stress and build up and anxiety and everything had just like left my face i was like my body was different like i was holding all of this stress in my chest and my shoulders and i just felt like a different person and so it is this roller coaster of emotions but i will say that i'm so glad that i didn't you know just give up because persevering led me to the position that I'm in now. And I really do think that it's a much better fit for me than the positions that I was rejected for. And so um, I think that if you do get an interview and it goes really well, like that's a tell that that's a potentially a great fit for you. And that's what happened to me. Yeah, let's dive into that a little bit more. So what is your new position? So I am working in an implementation and professional development role for an education company. What exactly are you tasked to do like kind of on a day to day basis in this role? So I work remotely. So I'm working from home. And right now, a lot of the focus is on resources for distance learning. So I'm helping with product development and I work on a team of former teachers and it's a very collaborative environment day to day. You know, I'm working with my team on developing those resources, modifying those resources, and then also helping teachers use those resources in the classroom. Do you feel like there's the same type of day structure where you come in and you start at eight and you end at three or what's your average hours look like? So there is more flexibility built in than when I was in the classroom. It's remote work. So there's flexibility inherently in that. I was able to choose my work schedule. So I actually am working East Coast hours. So since I was teaching high school, I was accustomed to waking up super early in the morning and then finishing earlier in the day. So I asked if I could keep that same sort of schedule and they were um, supportive of that. That being said, if I have an appointment or something, I'm able to go to that appointment. And that was a big shift for me was that I don't have to make sub plans. I don't have to go through all of these hoops 
to go to the dentist. I just go to the dentist and it's so freeing um, that I'm an adult and I can go to the dentist when I need to go to the dentist. Um, so the hours are definitely more flexible. Right now I'm working a lot of hours. So sometimes like I, I do have to work in the evenings or on the weekends um, because we have deadlines that we have to meet as a team. But I think the difference is that I'm really enjoying my work. And so I, when I work a few hours in the evening while we're watching TV, it doesn't bring up stress and anxiety and the feelings that I used to get when I was working in the evenings or on the weekends when I was in the classroom. And I don't know. There, there's just a lot more flexibility and um, everyone on my team kind of has like their own schedule and their own hours and we just make it work with each other. You know, we're all adults and we're all professionals and we respect each other's preferences and we just make it work. I think that's one of the things that I feel like I'm hearing you say that may have been missing from your last work environment was the respect and almost autonomy for your own decision making. And that's something that I think happens a lot with teachers who are in toxic administration. And I don't hear you saying that, but I'll say that that's absolutely from the place where I came from, where the very last school year that I had, um, there were teachers that knew if they took a sick day, they would get text messages kind of scolding them and asking them what was going on that they needed to take a sick day from the principal who was very intimidating. Um, and whether or not they perceived themselves to be intimidating is, you know, up for debate, but some people that, that type of pressure, that type of micromanaging weighs on them to the point that it, breaks them and something as small as I can go to the dentist should it it sounds like we're being over dramatic but it's night and day I remember the first time I got to go to the grocery store on a work day and I was like what is this is this am I dreaming what kind of <laughs> lavish life am I living right now but it's the freedom that somebody says here's a task that you need to do and I trust that you're gonna do it and I'm not going to you know, pressure you and watch you every step of the way and then not give you any sort of lenience or freedom in your ability to live your life and do said task. Exactly. Yes. And I did experience a little bit of that um, toxicity, I guess, um, when I was in the classroom and I had a very supportive administrator for years and we had a, a great relationship. And then we had a change in administration and with the new administrator, he had a slightly you know, different perspective on sick leave and, and sub days and things like that. And I remember at one point in the fall, I had taken a sick day because it was really smoky here from the forest fires and I have asthma and my doctor advised me to stay home. It was extremely unhealthy conditions um, for, for, any, for anybody to be outside. And I remember like receiving the calls and the emails after about like why I had taken the sick day and it made me feel like I was in trouble and I didn't feel good about it. And I felt like I, I can't take the time off that I need that my doctor's telling me to take off. And it made me sad that so many teachers feel that pressure that they can't make those own decisions about their health. And I know so many people that 
go to work sick because they either feel the pressure to not take a sick day or it's too much work to create sub plans and then come back to a classroom that has had a sub for one or two days. And so I think it's, you know, I'm not unique in that situation. Everyone I know that's in education has experienced that in some way. And I don't know how we fix that. And some people, it doesn't seem to affect them as much. Um, But for me personally, I didn't like feeling like if I was sick, like, I didn't like the feeling of guilt um, and that I was going to be in trouble for being sick. And we shouldn't be going to work when we're sick, especially when we're in a pandemic. And so that was that was really hard for me. And I really relate to what you said about that pressure. When you started working in your new career, how long did it take until it really clicked with you that you had found something that was a great fit for you? Well, my first day, I was just elated. And I was in my own house. And I was working remotely. And I I went through the training with HR. And I started to get really excited. and, And I knew I had made the right decision. And then there was a point probably about two months in where I met with my manager and we had talked about what I had been doing so far in the first two months and where I saw myself going and it just clicked and I felt like I can really thrive in this company. They care about my growth. They care about my skills set and I just knew that I made the right decision and I haven't had any regrets. I mean, I do miss the students for sure. But other than that, I feel like it's just a much better fit for me. And I'm really, really happy. What do you feel like made you very qualified for this role? Because there may have been other teachers who were up against you for the exact same type of position. So I'm just curious if you made any tweaks to your resume or because you already had experience with training other teachers when you were in education, it made you more qualified? Yes. So I had been working as an independent freelancer doing professional development for a couple of years. And I loved doing that. And I made so many connections with other teachers, other facilitators through that work. And that kind of gave me confidence in my skills outside of the classroom when it came to professional development. So I'm really glad that I pursued those opportunities while I was still in the classroom because I think it gave me that extra little sparkle that I needed on my resume um, was this broad experience in different professional development environments. I'm younger, so you know I didn't have a, a resume full of 30 years worth of experience. And so I felt like I really needed to be clear about the things that I had been doing. And so the other part of that is that I had a friend um, help me with my resume and she had worked in the same school as me and we had worked on projects together. And she helped me realize that a lot of the things that I was doing, I didn't actually have on my resume. And so, you know, things like leading committees and being on the board of the PTA and things like that, I wasn't including on my resume, maybe because I didn't think that companies would find them important. And so I just needed that extra little nudge to really look at all of the things that I had done in my career and include those in my resume in a really intentional way that showed how hardworking I was, how you know I had developed a variety of skills. And so 
it was twofold. It was really putting in a lot of the work while I was still in the classroom and then also seeking help and asking people to look at my resume, um, look at my cover letter and make sure that everything that I had done was actually you know, represented on my application. And there were things that I hadn't even thought of that I didn't necessarily think were important that people reminded me of. And I think it helped me stand out among the other applicants. I love that you went and you asked for a friend to give you advice of like the accomplishments that you had in the classroom. One thing that I teach in the teacher career coach course and the resume writing section is this is not just a you problem. It was a me problem. It's a very common problem. We have imposter syndrome and we have a really hard time acknowledging what our very real accomplishments are. And when it comes to resume writing, that's where it really shines. And it also, you know, closes doors for us until we're able to acknowledge it at that step. And so I always talk about thinking outside the classroom. So in the course, I really walk through all these steps. But when I say thinking outside the classroom, it's not just pedagogy because teachers always just focus on, well, I taught fifth grade curriculum. Like, no, you manage teacher's assistants. You maybe help the PTA with their budget. You did project managing with long-term projects for the like carnival that happened. You coordinated large events. You kept all the data and like student records up to code year after year after year and all the things that happen outside the walls of the classroom usually are the most transferable depending on what position you're looking for. You always want to make sure that it matches up to whatever roles you're doing. So for you at this professional development curriculum company, you do want to focus on pedagogy. You want to talk about how you're a specialist as subject matter expert in different areas but you also want to talk about your confidence, train the trainer models anytime you've taught other teachers. And teachers just, they get so nervous that sometimes I tell them like, you have to ask someone else to say nice things about you and tell you what you accomplished and you need to write it down in a journal and go back and reflect and read it because you're not gonna listen, like you're not selling yourself right now. Like you're struggling too hard with that. And it's common, like I, still feel like an imposter syndrome bozo all the time, but I just own it now. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I totally get that. And I needed, um, I needed this mentorship so that somebody could point out to me the things that I had done. And then once they pointed it out, I was like, oh, yeah, I did do those things. I people should know about that. But in the same retrospect, like some people struggle when it comes to resume writing with holding on to their story too dearly. And if you hold on to those old stories and put in everything and not just the things that are relevant for the position, people don't have enough time to read it. And sometimes they read a couple of bullets and then walk away also. Right. And I do think that teachers that are transitioning out of the classroom do need specific coaching on how to make our resumes work outside of education because I had applied for positions in other districts, other schools, and I know what that interview process looks like. I know what they're looking to see on my resume and my cover letter. It's a little bit more daunting and ambiguous to just apply at a company and an organization in a field that you're less familiar with. 
So I think that it's important to like seek out those resources, use them, like even if you have to invest in that, like it's not shameful that you would need help. Like I remember my uh, friend growing up when she got her first like big job, she you know, paid a professional to help her craft her resume. And I think as teachers, like we maybe don't know that we should be doing that or we're not sure how to um, even pursue that. And so I, I think that your work in your course is so important for teachers because that's like the extra little step to getting an interview and nobody should be expected to just know how to do that. Well, let me just stop and thank you so much for saying that. I really appreciate it. And it honestly means the world to me. I feel like what really happens with a lot of people is they struggle to invest themselves because one, they don't believe that the end result is possible for them. So they don't want to invest in something if they ultimately feel like they're gonna be a failure at the end. That's the number one thing. And then two, I think teachers have the mindset of, it's on the internet, I can figure it out, but this is something that is a very complicated step-by-step-by-step-by-step kind of process, and it's unique to every different job you apply to, it's unique to different types of companies, different types of roles. Your experience as a teacher yourself is gonna, your resume is gonna look different than my resume. It is important that you get a lot of support and that free support like Frankenstein version often brings up misinformation online or misses some very key parts. So I think that's where people struggle is trying to do it all themselves, but doing it all yourself absolutely can be successful. That's one, I don't ever want anyone to think that they can't do it entirely on their own. However, having a lot of support saves you so much time and it saves you from making the mistakes that thousands of other people may have made before you. And I think that's the most valuable part of investing in yourself. I've done it in my business a thousand times now where I purchased a business course for $2,000 because I finally have the mindset of, okay, this isn't gonna be a waste of money because I can ultimately have the results that I wanted from investing in this type of resource. And I think that would have been a mindset thing that would have not happened for me four years ago. Something clicked for me in the fall when I decided that I wanted to leave the classroom. I knew that I couldn't wait for something to just fall into my lap. And so I think I got that extra little push I needed to be more proactive and spend more time crafting my resume and really being intentional about the jobs I was applying for. And so it was just that extra little push I needed. Instead of just looking at jobs, I was actively like actually applying for them and reaching out to people and networking and things. And that's what I think for me, that's what led me to my position that I'm in now. I hate to wrap it up because I feel like I could talk to you for forever. This has been such a great conversation. And I know so many people have probably really connected with your story and it's far too common. Is there any last bit of advice that you'd want to give to any teachers, especially those who might be struggling right now? Let's say hypothetically the ones who might want to get in a car accident instead of going to school because you're not the first person I've ever heard that has said that exact same analogy. You know, 
I was thinking about that. My advice, honestly, is to not be afraid of the unknown outside of the world of education. And I had heard for years, you know, the corporate world is so cutthroat. And if you leave for the private sector, you have no job security and you don't have support. And I've actually found it to be the the opposite. I, in the corporate world, in the private sector, I actually feel very supported. And I didn't always feel like I had job security when I was in the classroom. And so I think Um, My advice would be to just not be scared of opportunities and not be scared of the unknown um, and just realize that leaving teaching might be the best thing for you and that's okay. And there could be a place for you somewhere else where you can thrive and be happy and still make a difference, still make a difference in students' lives but you don't have to do it at the expense of your own health. So just don't be afraid of the possibilities. I love that. Thank you so much, Madeline. It's been a great conversation. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. I want to give a huge thank you to Madeline for being vulnerable and sharing her story with the Teacher Career Coach community. As always, please continue to share this podcast with other teachers who are looking for this type of support. We'll see you on the very next episode.